0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Art Drama Llama, where we look beyond the galleries and dish on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities. My name's Sianja.
1: My name is Manchi. And I'm Bartika.
0: And today we're going to look beyond...
1: Horror comics. Ooh. Ooh.
0: <laughs> for for um, I heard horror comics. I'm like, oh. Interesting. Oh,
2: my.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be for... For audiences who don't know, we're doing a special... No comment? Okay. (laughs) Manchi was like, yeah, no, we're just moving on. (laughs) Wait, what? No, 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 wait. Wait, can you guys not hear me? (laughs) No. What? I like what... Ooh,
2: afterwards.
0: (laughs) No, Manchu, we can hear you.
2: You didn't understand what Sahania said. Oh,
0: okay. That's what happened. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I said... When well, you said horror, for a minute, I thought you said horror, horror comics. What? Like,
1: W-H-O-R-E, horror.
2: Oh,
1: oh, Whoa, I see, I see. Okay, yeah, I
2: thought I was the entity. <laughs> I was supposed to be slow.
1: No, I mean, I didn't hear, like, I, like to me, when Sandra just said horror, it sounded like horror. So, so, like, I did not pick up on anything that was different. So
2: Horror. 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 Oh, man. You're going to make us all conscious of our pronunciations. (laughs) As we should be, as good podcasters.
1: True, true.
0: I feel like mispronunciations create iconic moments, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also true, also true.
0: I'll continue to have grammatical and voice errors.
1: Okay, um, but yes, for people who don't know, we're doing a special season over spooky topics and then Halloween season. So uh, we're going to be talking about horror comics today. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's a particularly interesting history and has a lot of impacts on the rest of the comic industry. Um, and since we're talking about art history, you know, comics are a form of art and We're going to talk about its history. So, yeah. All right, so the very first horror comic that was published was published shortly after World War II. It's called Eerie Comics, and it was really a first time. It was just a compilation of different comic stories and not really a whole story on its own. But the horror comic genre really took off when a company called EC Comics started to publish horror titles in 1949. And it was actually created before 1949 uh, by Max Gaines, who was like the first person to bundle newspaper comic strips into books. that could be sold at newsstands. Um, and so he really made the first comic book, you could say. And he published EC Comics as a way to publish wholesome content for kids, but it had like by far the lowest sales out of all comics. Um, and when he passed away, the company fell into his son's hands, Will Gaines, or Bill for short. Um, And then by that time, EC was over 100K in debt, which is like, it's still a lot today. But if you think about it, like 1949, (laughs) if you take away the inflation, it's even more. Um, And so, you know, companies in debt, what do you do? So Bill was like, you know what, we're going to go into the horror genre. And he started Tales from the Crypt, as well as many other titles. Um, And that really started... The kind of horror genre phase.
2: I think I've heard of Tales from the Crypt, but I don't, I didn't know it was actually. I think I knew it was horror, but I didn't know it was. Like I guess it's kind of a, it is pretty iconic. It's,
1: yeah, it's a yeah. really well known TV show. Like
2: people, oh, I heard
1: of the TV yeah. show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it stems from the well. The, I think the TV show is a little bit might be a little bit cleaner than the comics, but that's what it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought what was really interesting about the company is they actually, early on, worked with Ray Bradbury to develop short stories. To me comics. and Martin
0: are done commenting, menchi. Oh,
1: okay. Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, oh. continue. Oh, William? I mean, I was gonna say, Ray Bradbury, he wrote um, Fahrenheit 51. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember reading that in eighth grade.
1: Yeah. Um, he also wrote this other short story about these kids who had like this virtual room and they were like, oh, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. And then they turned it into a safari one day. And then the lions actually came and ate them. It's pretty creepy.
0: <laughs> he has an interesting relationship with technology. Cause there's that. And then in Fahrenheit 51, he would describe like the main guy's wife like wearing like these shells on her head and just laying down, being distracted.
1: Yeah, yeah I think he um I think he did not think very positively about technology.
0: Mm-hmm. Many people yeah. did not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which
0: Same I, mean thing, is fair. I guess. I don't know. Uh, like the guy who made the stories, like Charlie and Chocolate Factory and
1: mm-hmm.
0: the Friendly Giant. He did not like a TV at all.
1: Mm. Yeah, the irony is. <laughs> oh, yeah, roll, they, roll doll. Wait. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. weren't like a bunch of his stories made into like <laughs>
1: yeah definitely. movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's a interesting point we'll kind of tie in with comics Um, yeah yeah all right so so yeah EC really the first ones to start the horror genre um work with Ray Bradbury um the other interesting thing about EC was they were very different from a lot of the other comic book companies in that they actually allowed artists to sign their own work so prior to EC no comic book artists were allowed to sign name on their work. And then the other side of it is they were not, they were not allowed to, or artists were not allowed to um, draw outside of the confines of what was this of what was defined for a character. So like if the character's style is specifically this way, artists had to follow it. Um, But EC allowed artists to really embed their own style into each character. So it really created these really amazing horror images because each artist could add their own twist to it and their own creative angle. Um, And they were also definitely the most well-paying. So they paid artists about $50 per page they completed with more compensation if the issue sold well. So as a whole, like they were definitely the comic book company that treated their artists better. Um, And because they allowed certain creative freedom for artists and for them to take ownership of their work um they were able to create really cool looking i would sometimes maybe a little bit extreme but definitely very cool looking and low pushing type of work and then i think the other really interesting point is they would often tell the writers to write to the artist's strength so if mm. the artist was really good at like mood or if they were really good at gore they would tell the writer to try to incorporate more of that in the story so it can really showcase the artist's strength. Um, and that also led to, you know, having more works of art like art as their title pages or within the comics than just a very standard-looking comic, um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I thought Bill, especially Bill was like not somebody who had any experience in comics, books and he was really making all of these changes, entering a new genre and um, changing kind of the way artists were treated in the in the in the industry. So um, and I think the other interesting part about EC is that they wrote stories really to impart moral lessons. And it wasn't really just like for the like they, they were writing horror for, for the shock factor. Um, and for example, one of their stories was about this guy who was super anti-Semitic. Um, they had, a, they had a Jewish neighbor move in and he was like, oh, I don't like them, I hate them. And then he with a group of other guys in the neighborhood essentially ended up killing the family after you know a lot of exhalation. Um, and then at the end of the book or at the end of the comic, it turns out that he himself was Jewish and his mom was like, you're actually Jewish. And he's like, no. And then his friends essentially turned on him and, and killed him too. So, you know, there's a there's a story there's like a moral story there and um it wasn't just to be a shock factor or just to show certain graphic images for the shock value
0: so they were like the twilight zone except the gory
1: yeah yeah pretty much pretty much
0: okay i think um from what i remember from ec comics i think one of my more favorite like moral stories is the one that's more like sci-fi where this astronaut goes and like talks to some aliens or something and the whole point is like oh well we'll slowly like come together and put our differences aside and stuff and then at the end when the astronaut takes off his helmet it's like a black man yeah so tying in yeah, so kind of like tying in like the civil rights issues that were going on at that moment. And and at the time it was very a very powerful statement that the character, the human, the astronaut was talking about uniting people and stuff was a minority specifically a black man who, you know, were the group that was like the most affected during mm-hmm. this time.
1: Yeah. Um, it's funny you bring that up because we'll actually talk a little bit about it later because it was one of mm-hmm. the last EC comics that was issued um
0: all right going out strong
1: yeah yeah uh, was, also
0: uh, no go ahead right. go ahead I'll, I'll make my point later
1: oh i mean we'll talk a lot talk about it more um uh, so uh, good okay. for, you know good uh, yeah. good uh, foreshadowing
0: okay also i want to say that i'm pretty sure like comics and specifically horror comics probably weren't like they were probably seen as lowbrow art right art not ar- art art <laughs> well uh, so well oh, hold on hold on hold on so what i just want to say is that like it's usually like taboo or with quotations taboo things that kind of pay the best for artists like mm. in contemporary times we all make fun of furries like culturally <laughs> but when artists who do commissions. Uh, like open them up and stuff they always 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 say how furries pay the best and tip the best so it's always <laughs> these like things are like lowbrow or like kind of like taboo that kind of mm-hmm. really look out for an artist
1: yeah I mean I think that makes well I think the furry situation is a little bit different but I think it's somewhat similar in that um, you're trying to attract artists to work on this new type of underground genre, right? Well, I mean, I would mm-hmm. say furries are new. Um, they're sort of underground, but I would say like early on, I think it was a wise business decision by Bill mm-hmm. to pay artists well, I well think and let them. It was also
0: wise of him to let like writers and comics be like the focal yeah. point of. The creativity instead of him like oh here are my business ideas of how to run this, yeah. you attune to this. He he was like no let me attune to you to your strengths. So yeah, I also think it speaks to how when you have like a company like an animation studio, a publisher, whatever, you should really give artists freedom to do what they do best because they yeah. are they are the artists. They they know what they're doing. You know.
1: Yeah yeah exactly. And I think it took a outsider's point of view to make that change in the industry I think if you Mm -hmm. were born and raised in the industry sometimes it's hard to see that Uh, but because he was like he had no experience in the comic industry even though his dad started EC so he was able to kind of come in with that outsider's perspective and be like I don't think this is working out the best and here's what I think we should do Um, just because he didn't have like a like he didn't know how normal comics were run I guess and so you are able to just kind of come in and be like well how do I make this the most efficient way so mm.
0: yeah. all right it goes to show don't be micromanaging people
1: it's true it's true um but it's interesting that you brought up how you know horror is lowbrow art because it EC was incredibly influential and all the comics during this time period would shift into the horror space so like captain america began to be called captain america's weird tales and he did some like he dabbled and i would say probably light horror, um where he was like working sci-fi
0: america does have many horrific tales in its
1: history (laughs) yeah it's very true very true um so like you know, it was a very money-making genre. And so comic book industries went into it, but it was money-making because audiences really liked it. Um, and as more titles became horror, the covers on the comic books also became more gore and more salacious and more outrageous to compete with other horror comics on the stand. And I think what's important to highlight here is they were actually marketed to children. And at the end of a lot of these comics, they would say, "This comic is made for wholesome reading." Um, and clearly, like some of the images during this time, will show you how much it is not made for for wholesome reading. Um,
2: oh my god! Wholesome <laughs> reading yeah. for kids. I kind of wonder if my dad. Well, um, my dad yeah. did read a lot of comics as a kid, so that's why. I kind of want to ask him now if he did read any horror horror comics.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think this could be a good time to kind of describe some of the titles. Um, So some of the more tame ones, and uh, I've put this on the bottom of the sheet we're all looking at, but we can also upload it for audience members, but um, onto our website. But you know, some of the more titles, like and creative ones, I think. Like, I'm looking at one where the scientist is looking at the skeleton rising out of a cup of something, um, which is, like, pretty horrific, pretty but pretty tame, I would say, you know. And there's another, like, death wearing a red cloak is chasing a man. Um, and uh, there's, like, a giant slime monster trying to take over this office worker. Um so I think these are like still pretty eye-catching. Like the colors are bright. Um, the The logos are are cool, but they're pretty tame. But there are some pretty risque ones. Um, EC would eventually publish a, a publish a title where it was like this person holding this head with the body of the head just laying on the ground you don't see that much blood, but that's like pretty jarring if you're a kid, <laughs> in my opinion.
2: Do you think uh, kids are, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think kids during this time had more nightmares, especially that's if they're a, reading this type of
1: stuff? You know what? That's a good question. And it actually kind of is a good segue. So, um, you know, you're concerned about whether or not they had nightmares. And a lot of the public began to be concerned about how horror comics were affecting children in terms of juvenile delinquency. Um, And this was really pushed by Frederick Wortham, Dr. Frederick Wortham. Um, And he was always sort of against comics to begin with. Um, But as a horror genre sort of took off, he was increasingly more concerned about juvenile delinquency because he thought that by reading comics, it was sort of teaching kids how to commit crimes. And it was also exposing them to overly graphic and sexual scenes. Um, You know, like a lot of these, even superhero stories, I would say it's like, oh, they're stopping a robber or like they're committing some sort of crime, right? Or like some of these stories about men killing their wives, right? Um, And so he was like, oh, this is like imparting terrible knowledge onto our kids and it's gonna raise juvenile delinquency it's sort of like the argument today about video games right like something like a GTA 5 is allowing well, people to be more well violent. I
0: feel like I meant or this topic comes up every so often because I remember when I was like eight or nine uh, we were watching the news and this was like the Spanish news and they were like tonight at Hey, we're going to do a sorting of what cartoons your kids should be watching, which ones are violent and which ones are not. And my mom's like, we're going to watch that because I like I just have always watched cartoons like from the moment I wake up till I like fell asleep. And I was like, mm, I don't think so. Because I didn't like want her like monitoring what I was watching.
1: <laughs> you were but, rebelling uh, against but, like, censorship even when you were young.
0: No, well, no, I was just like, she's being dramatic. so I just and low key I did want to watch it I was like to see what they would say like oh this title uh violent like um no it really is not because it's about this Mm -hmm. but during their little like preview of what they would cover like Danny Phantom showed up and I was like they better not say anything about my Danny Phantom
1: (laughs) I never watched it I don't know I feel like a lot
0: of these arguments make things worse than they really are um also uh what but i will say that i feel like the comics being violent is one thing when it's depicting like a monster like somebody like harming themselves but i will say that like a lot of these comics have very big are very big on like violence against women and yeah. a lot of, like, the depictions of women are, like, they're, yeah, they're being harmed, but it's drawn in, like, a sexy way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, like, a lot of the, a, a lot of comics, a lot of comics, a lot of the conversation when women talk about, like, violence in, like, just media against women, they do bring up how, like, uh, comic book covers and, uh, sensationalize kind of, like, the violence against them. So I, I do yeah. feel like there's some credence to Dr. Frederick's concerns. But I don't think his focus was actually on, like, I feel like it wasn't focused on, like, women. It was more focused on, like, children's influence.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, but you can, it, make the, you can make the argument that, like, showing a super sexualized woman on the cover being brutalized is also not a good influence on children (laughs) for sure but i
0: feel like and this is just my opinion like when this conversation comes up about how media influences people i feel like it affects teenager and adult more than it does the child because as a child you're still malleable so you could be like you could see that and yeah it'll affect you in some way but if you like tell an adult about it they'll be like they'll be able to guide you through that or Through better outlets. But then when you're a teenager adult, I feel like that's when you become echo chambered and just consume more images like that and feed whatever violent urges you already had.
2: Yeah. So I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say you could apply the same thing to movies today. Um, a lot of the super violent ones. Like I know uh like they have ratings and stuff where it's like rated G, PG and so on. But the thing is, like these kids, they still see like a lot of this violence and then as they grow and become adults they see it like movies show a lot more violence and they also show how people can I don't know do really bad things like hack into stuff or like
1: okay but like, those hacking see, okay yeah okay the hacking are
2: okay the <laughs> hacking isn't accurate but like doing violence going I don't know and like bombing stuff and like things like you know big things like that. A lot of movies nowadays show these types of things. So one of my concerns whenever I watch action movies, which my dad loves action movies, so I sometimes watch them with him still. But when I see these, I'm like, they're just giving ideas to people. Doesn't seem as realistic, but it could still happen, you know? Always been something I've thought
1: about. My counter argument to that is if the argument has been made since like the beginning of horror, comic books, and then cartoons, and then evolving to movies and, and games now, and we haven't really seen an increase in juvenile or I would say adult crimes, then I think it's, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a repeating argument, right? That has been going on for all time. And we haven't really seen any sort of like crime, like significant crime increase because we are consuming starting to consume more media that has more violent or graphic scenes in them but
2: we're, weren't movies back in the day also kind of along these themes like they'd have the robber and, and yeah be out in the west <laughs> wild west or something and i don't know yeah i
1: mean but, i mean i think they've gone more graphic over time i think yeah, you're right true. like With a, action movies Yeah, I mean, action movies now, I think, depict a lot more gore. And also, it's like, if you set something in the West, you know, it's like, oh, that wasn't really where everybody lived. But, like, action movies now are, in like, set in New York, right? I'm thinking about the Avengers. Um, (laughs) Big cities, especially in the U.S. Yeah, and it's like, that's where we all live, right? But, I mean, I think, like, my point is, like, this argument has been consistently made Through all forms of media since really the beginning of time, right? As some new (laughs) genres. We see like like, caveman
0: painting propaganda going, (laughs) don't go to this one cave.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean we shouldn't show them
2: killing the buffalo or
1: something. Yeah. No, I mean that's like a good point. Like the early scenes people painted were of them hunting buffalo. So like, you know, (laughs) I think the I think I just think the argument is not like, I think the argument linking into juvenile delinquency is not accurate. Is it probably not great that kids are looking at women being raped or sexualized and people committing pretty horrific crimes and then being exposed to images that might have a lot of gore? It's probably not every child's cup of tea. And I think as a kid, if I grew up in this time, I'd be like terrified of newsstands. But that's <laughs> just me, right? Like some kids are like, I love this stuff. Um Dude, you know, yeah,
0: like there are so many people that make liking horror like the genre their <laughs> personality i'm like dude <laughs> i get it but like can you not think you're special and unique because you like horror <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so it's like not conducive to childhood happiness or my childhood happiness um but you know it's like definitely, like, I don't think it necessarily should be linked with the ch- juvenile delinquency argument. Um, but I think I, I understand parental concern at the very basis of it. So, yeah, so, you know, lots of public outcry about this. And then it ultimately led to a congressional hearing, one of the first congressional hearings, actually. Um, and Bill Gaines, the, our, our lovely um, CEO of BC Comics actually participated in it. Um, but unfortunately, it actually led to the development of the CCA, the Comics Code Authority, which regulated all comic content. And it had pretty stringent rules like no crime, horror or terror in the title, um, but then, you know, it had some more understandable ones like no graphic depiction of goal or sex or anything too over the top. and. The result of the CCA is that it led to an age of like super clean superhero comics because that was sort of the only genre, and then you could do some romance, right? Until people started really pushing the boundaries, and isn't this even, when like
0: a lot of like comic book villains started to become like silly, specifically yeah. like the Joker.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, lost exactly. his edge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when this is where you get like those uh, funnier, sort of less severe villains um a lot a lot of villains during this time took a took a cleaner more silly turn but you know like cca was an issue but if people are into comics now they'll know that cca is no longer active and that's because like very large comic companies like marvel would eventually refuse to cooperate with the cca but you know it had pretty big impact like there's like 650 comic book titles in 1954 before the CCA was established. And it would drop off to 250 in 1956, just a year or two after the CCA was established. And by the 1980s, only three comic book publishing companies out of 20 from the 1950s would even survive because it forced comic book industries to only publish a very specific type of stories you would lose artist interest, right? And you would limit kind of what you could be publishing and it then becomes really hard to compete if everybody is offering the same product. Um, and so, you know, you kind of see this massive decline in the p- comic book industry when really the horror genre had been starting to make a lot of artistic changes in the industry, right? By like int- letting artists take more ownership of their work and introducing their own styles. Eventually, Marvel and DC were like, no, we're, we're not going to let you keep regulating us. And the CCA lost all its powers. And so now we can see many more comics kind of re-flourishing in the US, I would say. You know, Neil and Sandman is probably like the, mo- the comparison to like the old horror comic genre to the new. It incorporated a lot of different artist styles like DC did and encouraged all artists to put their own stamp on their work And it also talked about, like, empathy and what it means to be human, like the old EC comics did, and really tried to highlight the voices of all different groups, um, underrepresented or represented, and really delve into their life stories and examine them for who they are. There was a period of time where comics were sort of straight and narrow, and then eventually when the CCA fell apart, you start seeing this flourish in in comic books. And I would say probably even more just like recent times you start to see them, you know, really expand. I'm actually reading a comic book called Monstrous and it's it's a really good one. I think it started maybe early 2010s, late 2010s. Um, but it, it's like somewhat horror, somewhat um, like silk punk, but it's like a really great story and it definitely would have not been published during the age of CCA. <laughs>
0: if i'm not mistaken i think because artists did like rebel against it and i think that's when like the underground comic scene kind of came about mm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and well, people yeah. yeah and people would uh draw like super raunchy things
1: <laughs> yeah you can't you yeah can't, and like
0: yeah, and I will say, aside from, like, the subject matter being, you know, not the best, their art style was also kind of, like, weird.
1: Really? How so?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, like, it has a charm, without a doubt, but I, it very much diverged from, like, the kind of realistic detail that published comics were. Because with the underground comic scene, it was, like, independent creators, And they would, like, print out their own pages and stuff and, like, pass it around. So they develop like, this, like, they would each develop this, like, unique style. But the point of the style wasn't to be pretty. It was to be, like, provocative. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I can show pictures later. And you'll agree that while you like it, it's not very, like, pretty. Mm,
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to be pretty, right? It should just Mm -hmm. be evocative. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very interesting case study in sort of censorship, what it leads to, and then what happens after censorship, right? Because you can kind of draw a pretty distinctive line between pre-censorship, during censorship, and then post-censorship, so.
0: Yeah, I also think that, like, you can notice how when censorship was, like, pretty big, a lot of, like decline in creativity and like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know evolution of the medium was deprived from these artists and like the public yeah uh I think a good example is kind of how like because of World War II America kind of like didn't want Japanese anything for a long time so like anime is only big right now because the people missed out on like the anime like exploration that happened in the like 60s, 70s, 80s. But that was only in America. The rest of the world saw it. So the rest of the world isn't like super crazy about, or like, you know, like insanely crazy about anime. Like if it was some new discovery, cause they all like were exposed to it as it was being like created. Like for example, my mom, she's from like Mexico city and she grew up watching like the old anime but like somebody here wasn't because the u.s just refused to kind of like be showing that type of stuff till like starting the 90s and then now there's a whole ass like industry for it here
1: yeah i think that's an interesting point um Mm -hmm. i think even my parents like by the time they were a little bit older and technology in china was more established they they also like are watching Japanese anime and type stuff so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's why when I started watching it in middle school it wasn't like a shocker for her she's like "Oh, okay whatever compared to like my American friends who were like yeah my parents think it's like the devil's show or whatever
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it just goes to show you like parents are very concerned and sometimes it's justified and other times it just gets overblown I think Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's like if I told my mom the general story of Avatar The Last Airbender, I think she would be like, what is this show and why are you wasting your time watching it? But then we watched the whole thing with her and she was like, oh, it's like really good. And it I think it touched her a lot. Like I think she started crying up. after the finale. finale. <laughs>
0: What did you tell her for her to be concerned about Avatar The Last Airbender? If my mom asked me, I'd be like, it's about this dude, or not this dude, it's about this, like, person whose mission is to save the world, and they get, like, reincarnated every so often.
1: I think she wouldn't be like, oh, it's really graphic, so you guys shouldn't watch it. But it would be more like, why are you wasting your time watching something so Oh, okay, I see. I see, I see. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad it touched her heart.
1: Yeah, she was very emotional after the last episode.
0: <laughs> I always love when parents are like, this is stupid. And then they like consume their child's meat and they're like, oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. 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 But my mom was like, I wonder how many kids actually understand the meanings of, like the deeper meanings. And I'm like, it's a good point, well, but it's more I important think... that you're kind of raised with like how the characters are thinking. Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. yeah. they're dealing with the topics versus not even exposing them to it at all. Yeah, I also
0: think with shows like that, I just feel like in general you should revisit things because
1: it yeah. hits a lot
0: more different when you're an adult.
1: Yeah, yeah, very true.
0: Anyway, back to you.
1: All right. Well, that's uh, that kind of wraps up my my uh, journey along horror comics. You know, it, it started. It got censored. It died and then it started <laughs> it <died>. back again. <laughs> I think there's always a, there's always like a an appetite for horror, right? Like Twilight Zone was sort of horror, sci-fi, creepy-ish. Um, and that kind of sprung up, you could say it had influences in in horror comics, but I think there's always an appetite for horror. So you can't you can't stop it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's always gonna come back
0: i also think that like um like these stories kind of like show what what the society was worried about at the moment
1: oh yeah absolutely uh,
0: like because a lot of these um horror comics are kind of like fantastical in my opinion like, the settings and the characters and kind of other situations are, like, extreme. And I think, okay, with horror, yeah, every situation is kind of, like, extreme. But look at, like, modern horror. They're set in, like, regular-ass, like, people, life settings. And they talk about, like, pretty, like, deep-rooted things that are kind of, like, everyday. hmm and yeah. I feel that like the reason why people are uncomfortable with them nowadays is because how close to home it is versus back then where you can kind of create this like super like far fetched scene like going up to a manor like who who just goes up to a manor nobody you know
2: <laughs> yeah uh, but com- I
1: think a lot of the okay. comments yeah. also were written like like I was telling I was telling you guys about how there were a lot of horror stories about husbands killing their wives or somehow the wife like taking control of the family situation and that actually mm. was reflecting sort of the post-World War II sentiment about uh, like mm-hmm. when men returned from war there they felt like the family structure was sort of shifting because they had been off to war and then women at home essentially went to work and started making money for themselves and became less dependent on sort of the core family structure and having a male figure at as sort of the money-making um reliance of the family. So like I would think men like that.
0: I would have thought men like that because they're always complaining about like I never wanted to get married or they're always like, why can't a woman buy me a drink? (laughs) I think that's
1: now. (laughs) But I mean I would say even like guys who are like, oh why can't a woman buy me a drink? like I think when they actually settle down and have a kid, they're probably like, Well, one of us has to take care of the kid and it's not gonna be me.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm like, why are they scared or why were they worried about women being independent? Like, isn't that what you want? Like they Yeah, don't but like they're not you?
1: gonna they're not gonna take care of the kid. They're gonna like the the I don't think any guy wants to well, take care yeah, of No, they say, say, Well, they
0: don't wanna take care of a kid. So if a woman has her own money and doesn't want to take care of a kid, then that means she's not gonna go out and get pregnant
2: yeah but traditional family structures and i don't know just more conservative well, values in general dictate okay well okay that,
0: back to my original statement men don't want to get married so why even put yourself well, in that I think
1: situation they, they they do want to get married i think they just don't want to necessarily take care of the kid but i could be over generalizing but i mean know, like,
2: even if they don't want to get married it's like traditional like oh now that you've completed school you're gonna go out get a job and then get married
0: okay but these are like primarily primarily american men so
2: well like even they in america different they were rules. a lot more traditional and conservative before the war so when they came back they saw these women going out getting jobs they're like oh no like the core not really the core but like kind of the core values of
0: okay guys this was supposed to shaking. be a funny comment but clearly i i uprooted <laughs> something <laughs>
1: so- maybe we uh debate a little bit too much but <laughs> but i literally think it's
0: like- it was just supposed to be funny like haha you're right men suck let's move on but <laughs> all right i see i
1: see
2: i mean I that's there that was that more true. to it that is true though <laughs> no, okay no, no, yeah guys, now now become- that
0: you're that i was like it was a joke you're like haha okay i agree
1: yeah. Yeah. get out of my face man um, we can't be a man hating podcast this is um that's you how we gotta spread love off the and joy. Podcast, no, no, no. We I gotta see. spread
0: love and joy. We have a lot of male followers. Like I'm telling you, oh, men yeah, just they see what I don't I'm care what they say. They want they want a dominant woman. I don't care what they say.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think this is a like, good place to stop. Wait, 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 wait. You said you would
0: circle back to like the oh, their yes. last their last issue.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So actually. I, I forgot, I totally forgot. Thank you for reminding me.
0: Um, yes, ma'am.
1: Yeah, so like Sandra mentioned earlier, the last comic you published was about this alien who came to investigate the Earth to see if they were worthy of alien technology. And then at the end, the alien was like, mm, humans suck, they don't deserve this technology. Um, and when he was saying that, the alien took off his helmet and it revealed to be a Black man. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, um, But, you know, EC actually had a lot of issues trying to get that passed through the CCA, even though it really didn't display any sort of gore or sexual or violent scenes. Um, It was really just like a very simple story, right? And initially it was because they were like, we don't want the black man at the end. And then Bill was like, I'm not publishing this without the black dude. Like that's the whole purpose of the story, right? Like that's the moral center. Um, And they were like, fine, well, you got to take out some sweat beads and he's like I can't do that because that's how it reflects the stars in the universe and then there I think they finally caved and were like fine why we'll you publish it because there's like, like what I mean what are you like what are you censoring at that point like first of all you're kind of being racist by being like we don't want a black suit in there yeah I was about to say "CCA
0: out here about yeah. morals and then they're promoting racism
1: yeah, exactly. And then they will like, take off some sweat beads, and it's like, what is the purpose of taking off sweat beads? I like, I didn't understand. I couldn't find any like reasoning behind it. So that was a uh, that was that. <laughs> mm-hmm. All in all, what we learned today was horror comics became really popular. Parents got concerned, somewhat rightfully so, but then they got overblown. Started the CCA, which started censoring comics for a really big, uh, for a very long period of time and then really like sanitized the comic industry, kind of put a stop to all of the art progress that was happening in comic books up to the point. Um, and then when comic book companies finally broke away from the CCA, we start seeing more like uh, uh, we start seeing a rebirth in comic art and sort of the
2: stories that were being told and the diversification of them all right for our listeners if you have any stories that you would like us to cover please email us at artdramalama at gmail.com you can also follow us on facebook twitter instagram and patreon and our handles for all of them are at art and lastly thank you for joining us and we hope we can continue looking beyond the galleries with y'all next time bye llamas bye llamas later
0: later llamas Thank mm-hmm. you.